just one verse today. Does anyone memorize the Ten Commandments? How many? Let me see your hand. Way up. Oh, great. That's great. I think uh, motivation, just uh, be motivated and motivate your children. Uh, Charles Tremendous Jones tells about motivating his son. He was getting to be a teenager and nearing 16. He said, I know you're going to want a car and I want to get you one. So he said, we'll establish a little fun, car fund, and with every book that you read, I'll deposit X amount of dollars into your car fund. He said, if you read like a bum, you'll drive like a bum. <laughs> you say, well, isn't that bribery? No. Bribery is giving someone a promise to do something wrong. Rewards are promising to give something for people doing what is right. There's a great deal of difference between rewarding for good effort than bribing them to do something. It's not a bribe, it's a reward. And I think the Lord rewards us. He motivates us and rewards us for our efforts. The books will be opened and every man will be judged and rewarded according to the deeds that he's done in the body. So I think there's a great deal of difference. So parents... It's not a bribe, it's a reward. And so I think encourage them and make it a family project and uh, memorize them together. Verse 7, you will, shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. King Jay says, will not have him unpunished. Really, in a sentence, the sermon today is take God's name Seriously, Take his name seriously, not casually or flippantly or carelessly or in profanity, but take his name seriously. What's the big deal with the name of the Lord? I mean, this is not just a nasty habit we're talking about. This is not just a, a filthy habit that we've gotten into, uh, but it's sin. Profaning the name of the Lord is breaking one of the top ten rules that God establishes for governing man's life. In fact, it's number three and closely linked with the worship, worshiping God exclusively, worshiping God correctly, and taking the name of the Lord seriously. And so it is, they're all tied together in our reverence and respect for the Lord. He will not hold us guiltless. He will not leave us unpunished if we do not reverence the name of the Lord. It's important for us to appreciate the fact that God takes this very seriously. And to point how seriously, let's look at Leviticus chapter 24, verses 10 through 16, just for a moment. It'll be on the screen. You can kind of watch it as I read it. Now the son of an Israelite woman and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed, notice the capital, the name, with a curse. 
So they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was, and uh, it doesn't give his name or his father's name, but his mother's name and her father, grandfather. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head. The entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, If anyone curses his God, when he blasphemes the name, he must be put to death. Capital punishment for the breaking of this law. Capital punishment for committing this sin. Would you say God takes this commandment seriously? I believe that you would agree, taking it right from the mouth of God through Moses to the people to say unto them, this is what's happening. Just to capsulize, there was a fight broke out. It's very careful, the detail here, that there was an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father. And the commentaries indicate that this probably was the cause of the, of the, dis, dis, the, the difficulty. Something that had to do with his right or lack of rights as an Israelite, in, given the fact that his father was not a, a necessarily a believer, a covenant person in Israel, perhaps picked up some of the language from his Egyptian father. There must be some significance to the Holy Spirit identifying that as perhaps the root reason for their difficulty. The fight broke out, and in his anger, and as an expression of his frustration and his anger, he blasphemed the name of Jehovah. And so they put him in jail until they could discover exactly what should happen. Now that the laws of God had been established, and this seems to be the first infraction of that law, and Moses waiting on God to say, now what should happen? What's your verdict? What's the sentence that should be passed upon someone who commits this sin? And God was very specific. He said, those who heard him must come and place their hands on him and be the first to cast the stones. And all of Israel, whether they are native-born, whether they are alien, those who blaspheme the name of the Lord must be put to death. That speaks to me of the seriousness, and you will see that consistently in all of the commandments that we will look at. You remember several weeks ago we talked about uh, having no other gods before him and anyone who was drawn aside to worship another god or worship idols that they would not spare them even if it was their father, their mother, their children or their closest friends. Remember that? That there was to be a death sentence. He said, don't, don't uh, be sentimental about this. Don't spare them. You carry out my sentence because this is a, an infraction of the law of God. The wages of sin, church, are still dead. This is not an Old Testament thing. The wages of sin are still dead. You'll find it consistent with every one of the commandments of God. Every one of them carry capital punishment results. Whether it's adultery or whatever. There's, there are capital punishment results for idolatry, for, for the breaking of the Sabbath day. We'll get to a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day was commanded to be stoned to death. You see, each one of these, the breaking of any one or all of the laws of God, carry the same identical consequences. The wages of sin is death. But I am so glad to be able to sing with you this morning, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You see, I was worthy of death. I had committed enough sin that I had a death sentence in my soul. But I'm glad for what we had on this table this morning representing 
the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ who paid my punishment in full. Complete and totally paid for what I deserved. And that's grace. Mercy and grace makes us really appreciate our salvation when we see ourselves as a sinner worthy of death and you never really are saved until you see yourself there at that spot. I remember the uh, Presbyterian pastor from Florida. What's his name? He's on TV. Help me. Yes, he said, our problem in our church is not getting people saved, but getting people lost. (laughs) Our people don't know they're lost. He said, my biggest problem in my church is getting people lost. They think they're already saved. They're not. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God until we see ourselves as lost. We're never going to come to the cross and with a great appreciation accept the gracious gift of God which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're here this morning and you've never had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ where you opened your heart, confessed you were a sinner and asked him to come in and forgive you, you're lost. I don't care how many times you've been to church, how many names you've got your, your, your name on the roster or the role, you've taught classes or you've performed religious activities, you're lost until you have Jesus Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So it's important that you see yourself as lost before you can ever be saved, before you can ever know him. I sat in my office this past weekend with a, with a history of 20-some years. I said to the person, have you ever, ever had a moment where you acknowledged you were a sinner, opened your heart, and invited Jesus Christ become your personal savior, church member, regular attender. And no, I, you know, I really don't ever remember doing that. I said, well, you know, that's the first step to becoming a Christian, receiving Christ as your personal savior. I need to say that in this room this morning. If you've never at, at some moment had an, an occasion where you recognized you were lost and you came to Jesus Christ, asked forgiveness and cleansing for your sin, Inviting him to be your personal savior. That's the beginning steps to becoming a Christian. It's not being born in America. It's not being a church attender. It's not being religious. It's being born again. And I don't know why I said all that except to say probably the Holy Spirit needed for us to hear that again. The name of the Lord is to be sacred. And it's important that we be informed. Informed. And many people perhaps take the name of the Lord carelessly or casually because they just don't know. They've never been told. Now, none of us can say, I didn't know. That information is there before us today. A name is identified with the person, his nature, and his character, his reputation, and his authority. You've heard people say he is making a name for himself. So what he's doing is associated with what he is known as. He has a good, finish it, he has a good name. He has a bad name. Why? His activities, his actions are associated with what he is known by. And so when you mention a name, almost immediately, instantaneously, there is a response, there's a reaction. If I say the name 
Hitler. What do you think? Evil. Holocaust. Devastation. Destruction. If I say Abraham Lincoln, what do you think? President. Honest Abe. Honest. Sure, kind. Uh, if I say Martin Luther King, what do you think? Good? What else? What do you think? Civil rights leader. Yes, crusader. You know, you say the name and immediately, whatever they have been about, whether their life, good or bad, there's an instant recognition, an immediate recognition in your mind. Something about that person, their name and their character are associated together. When you say the name, the Lord Jesus Christ, what do you think? Savior. The Lord. God. Redeemer. You see, when his name is taken in profanity, it is just the total opposite of everything he is and has done. And when we take his name carelessly and flippantly, you know, we need to take it seriously. The name of the Lord is to be praised. It is not a cliché. It is not an exclamation point. It is not uh, a filler. His name is sacred. It's precious. We can be careless with the name of the Lord. Oh, my God. Oh, dear Jesus. And you know what? We reduce it to just kind of a wow or far out. If you want to say that, say wow or far out, but don't use the name of the Lord. His name is not a cliche. It's not an exclamation point. His name is precious and powerful. In my name you will cast out devils. In my name you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the power for us and the authority for us to ask anything in my name and I will do it. So we take the name of the Lord. Well, shouldn't we praise the Lord? We should. But his name should not be a cliche. Would you agree? We break the spirit of this commandment if we take it anything but seriously. We take it casually or carelessly. We need to reverence and respect the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just look at several other verses of Scripture. First in Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that we may minister grace unto the hearers. Chapter 5, verse 4. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather with thanksgiving. There's a negative and positive in each one of these verses. Chapter 4, verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, which is Christ. Those words speak for themselves. No corrupt communication coming out of our mouth. Not something that we use as an expression of anger or frustration or fear. When someone cuts you off in traffic, you hit your thumb with a hammer, you have a flat tire, whatever kind of frustration or anger, and you express yourself 
in that way, you know, anybody can be taught to curse. It takes no IQ to curse. You can teach a parakeet to curse. You can teach a parrot to curse. A three-year-old child you can teach to curse. It doesn't take any great intelligence to curse. It takes a great deal of strength under certain circumstances not to curse. It's a strong person who doesn't curse. Would you agree? It takes strength of character and, and determination and value not to under certain circumstances. And the Bible knows that the tongue is a very hard thing to control. But if the heart is in love with Jesus, if the heart is clean, there's a good chance that the speech will be too. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So washing your kid's mouth out with soap is not the answer. The problem is not here. The problem is in here and here. So it's not the tongue that's the problem. It's, it's the heart. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. And so what's on the inside will come out on the outside. And the problem needs to be solved from the inside out. We have the power, the Bible says, of life and death in the tongue. Can I say this morning that indeed we're talking about the home and strengthening the foundations of faith for the home that at times... Verbal abuse is rampant today and we need to hear God's word on that subject. We have the power of life and death to hurt or to heal. God has given us that ability and I am persuaded that we break this commandment. We reveal something about our neglect of this commandment by verbal abuse to those that lived with us and work with us and serve with us. I am confident that it's impossible for me not to be breaking the third commandment if I am guilty of verbal abuse. Listen to James chapter 3 and verse uh, 5 through 11. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire with just a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with that same tongue we curse men who have been made by God in his likeness. Out of the same mouth come praises and curses. My brothers, this should not be. How can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's saying, I can't come in here on Sunday morning raise my hand and go home and raise my voice. Now that was pretty good preaching right there. I need to read that again. He said, you are praising the Lord with the tongue. We praise the Lord and Father and with the same one we curse men. This cannot be. 
because men have been created by God in his likeness and it's just totally incongruous. You can't convince me your praise to God is genuine if you're mentally abusing the people that live with you and among you. And it's a sin. You need to repent before God today. It is a sin. You are breaking this commandment and you need to say, God, help me control my tongue. You do deadly damage with that little organ we know as, as the tongue. Or we can bring great life and great strength and great healing and great encouragement by the use of that instrument of righteousness that God has given. He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. If you're given to blasphemy and taking his name in vain, repent of it this morning and say, I'm done with it, no more, no more, I know better. And I know this is, a, this is an offense to God and, and he will not hold me guiltless. It's not my desire or intention that you leave this place under a guilt trip this morning because Jesus died to remove that. He came to set us free from guilt and condemnation. So I don't want you to go home feeling guilt or condemnation. You can take care of this problem right here, right now. Just bow your head and apologize to God. Ask Him to forgive you, and He will. And if you're given to verbal abuse, you need to repent of that and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I repent of this, and you helping me, that part of my life is changed. And I believe He will. I believe He's able to do that today. Do you? And speak words of love. Words of health, words of healing, words of edification with grace to those who hear. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of words I like to hear. That's the kind of words God wants us to speak. There are some wonderful promises. We don't have time to go through the entire list of verses of Scripture that I've prepared for you today. But why it is so precious? Because there is no other name by which we can be saved. This way to heaven is an exclusive way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Romans 10.13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no other name. We dare not profane that exclusive name that alone has the power to save us. The one if we call upon that name, we will be saved. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but it grieves me. And I think it's an indication of someone's spiritual heart condition. They can't possibly know him and blaspheme him. Either you love him or you don't. And I think it's totally incongruous for someone who really knows him to blaspheme him. It would grieve you. It would sorely pain your soul. If someone were, were speaking that way about your wife, or your mother, I think you'd have to duck. 
I think I'd have to put you on the ground. But none of them have done as much for me as he has. No one has done as much for you as he has. And I think uh, we live in the most foul-mouthed society in the world. And uh, my sympathies for those of you who had to live and work with that on a daily basis. It's a known fact that in the, in the entertainment industry, people won't generally go to see a G-rated movie. So they write in profanity on purpose to give it an R rating. I see some people shaking their head. You've heard that same thing. I've heard it as well. You know what? I'm not going to pay anybody to, to talk that way about Jesus. Just a good reason not to go. Just a good reason not to go. Whether it's on TV or whether it's, it's at, a, at, a, at a movie. Why pay someone those kind of dollars to profane the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? The one that we love and serve with all of our heart. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Father, I pray this morning that our worship level will be raised because of our respect for and our honoring the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a world that speaks so carelessly and flippantly and profanely of the name that alone is able. His name shall be called Jesus, Yeshua, for he shall save his people. There is salvation in no other name than the name of Jesus. Help me, help us to be careful the way we say that name. May we say it with understanding. May we say it with tenderness, with appreciation, with esteem. May we not say it thoughtlessly and carelessly and flippantly, profanely. Lord, wherever we need you this morning, I pray conviction will come to the point of repentance. And repentance will bring release and freedom and change. We'll thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.